stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by Zach's Director of ETF Research, Nina Mishra, to talk about our favorite New Year topic. Seems, I believe, this is our third year talking about Kathy Wood and ARC Innovation. But we're also going to expand and talk about some of the other hot ETF hands. Although I'm not sure we would say Kathy is hot currently. <laughs> She's on the cold side. But the other ones in the news, where's all the money going? What is happening on the hot ETF land and specifically with ARC K, the flagship fund of Kathy Wood? What will happen in 2023 after the big sell-off in 2022? I don't know, Nina. This is an interesting time, right? I think last year in January, we actually asked the question, should we buy ARC K? Because it had sold off at the end of 2021. It was looking a little weak. Was that a buying opportunity? And I think you and I both said, no, don't get in here. So, but now Arc K was off 65% last year. So it's really come down. Maybe, maybe it is time to get in now. I don't know. What are you thinking? Yeah. Hi, Tracy. Always fun to talk about Kathy and yeah. uh, it's uh, it's so interesting. Um, so I don't know whether it is the time to buy because we know that uh, the Fed will continue to raise rates at least uh, in the first half of this year. And that hurts these high growth companies with little yeah. or no profits. So I'm not sure whether it is the right time to buy ARC funds. Okay. But uh, what we saw last year was pretty interesting. ARC K gathered 1.2 billion in assets, whereas all other ARC ETFs lost assets for the year. So it seems that uh, investors were using the flagship fund just to play disruptive innovation. And that is why that was, that was uh, an asset gatherer for the year, despite being down almost 70%. But digging yeah. a little bit deeper, we saw that fans were sticking with Kathy earlier in the year, but they got tired later in the year. And it seems that many of them just gave up. So in the first seven months of the year, January through July, this ETF, the flagship fund, Arc K had added about $1.8 billion. But in the last five months of the year, August through December, they pulled out about $600 million from RK. So that gives us a net asset gain of $1.2 billion for the year, but very different in the first seven months and the last yeah. five months. So do you think that that kind of trend will continue? Obviously, it will depend on what happens with those underlying growth stocks that she owns. But uh, do you feel like the tide has turned and that investors are souring even on her flagship fund now? 
I think investors have become tired. So because Kathy always talked about five year performance that uh, yeah. should be longer, should have a longer term outlook. But now even if looking at we look at the five year performance yeah. of RK, it's negative. So that is why many investors have, re, I think, uh, just become tired and given up. And yeah. uh, Kathy has just, uh, she's doubling down on her strategy. She buys whenever the stocks plunge. She bought Tesla. She poured a lot of money into Tesla when the stock plunged. And uh, similarly, her other favorite stocks also, she continues to double down uh, whenever the stock prices yeah. plummet. And I looked at the portfolio. It has become quite concentrated as of now. So let me take a yeah. look at the portfolio. If yeah, I thought so too. I, I haven't looked at it in a long time, maybe even since our last podcast a year ago to actually see what was in there. I knew that Tesla was always her largest holding, but it's not anymore. So I, now I Zoom video is her largest, no, sorry. Exact Sciences is the largest yeah. holding with almost 9.7% uh, weight and very close is Zoom video with 9.4% weight. Tesla yeah. is now the third largest holding with 6.7% weight and uh, just about 30 stocks in the portfolio which is down from about 60 earlier so this has become an even more concentrated portfolio and she's betting big on those stocks now i looked at uh, her price targets for these stocks that she loves for exact sciences their price target is uh, let me take a look is 140 dollars uh, which doesn't sound insane because the stock is currently trading around $59. Uh, but for Zoom video, this stock price really looks a bit insane. So for Zoom okay. video communication, they expect the stock to go up to $1,500 by 2026. And the stock is currently trading around $70. And, you know, I don't know much about this company. I haven't done any fundamental analysis. In fact, I haven't even looked at um, their research, which is pretty good, I must admit. They usually their research is very good. But uh, we know that many companies are bringing back workers in office two, three, four days a week now. And also Zoom video gets a lot of competition from companies like my, particularly like uh, uh, from Microsoft Teams uh, and Cisco WebEx too. So I'm not sure whether Zoom video has the potential to touch $1,500 uh, price target by 2026. That looks a little bit insane to me, but uh, you know, Kathy and Ark, they shocked everyone with their Tesla price target in 2018. Uh, so it was Tesla was okay. about $300 uh, when they made that price target and they made this bold call predicting that Tesla would go uh, to $4,000 by 2023. And in fact, uh, Tesla share price surpassed that target in 2020 itself on a split adjusted 
basis. And uh, they now expect Tesla to reach $4,600 per share by 2026. And in fact, I saw a recent uh, uh, tweet by the analyst Tasha um, uh, Kini, uh, who's the analyst for Tesla and autonomous driving. Uh, so she tweeted recently that even after removing autonomous driving and any form of ride hailing, which would, uh, which they believe would drive more than 60% of Tesla's value over the next five years, they say based on EV alone, Tesla would reach roughly $500 per share, which is about four times increase from the current price. So, so that's, again, a very bold call for Tesla also. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was struck when I just went in to look at the top 10, not only that Tesla was not the top holding anymore, but that uh, in the top 10, when I was just kind of scrolling down, I'm like, well, how concentrated is this in just the top 10 holdings? So I added it up on my handy calculator app and the top 10 in the stocks uh, in the portfolio are now 61.3% of the entire portfolio are just in those 10 shares. And so it does remind me a little bit of the Janus 20 type of fund now, even though that was only 20 stocks. And now you said she's down to 30 in this one, but it's it increases the risk, but you get the opportunity or the chance of a greater reward if you are that concentrated in something or several names that take off. So- right, right. You know, yeah, definitely. It, it's a very high risk and yeah. maybe high growth potential portfolio too, but definitely the risk is very high, uh, which is uh, something investors should keep in mind. And if you believe in Kathy and her strategies, then maybe put a little bit of money, not a large part of, the, of your portfolio should be in a fund like this. Yeah. So in addition to exact sciences, which you said was the biggest holding now, um, ticker EXAS, Zoom video, ZM is number two, Tesla, TSLA is number three, Roku is number four, R-O-K-U, Block is five, SQ is that ticker, UPath, uh, not sure. Um, how to pronounce that, UiPath, do they pronounce it UiPath? Um, ticker P-A-T-H is number six. Shopify, S-H-O-P is the ticker, is number seven. Teladoc is still up, up there. Uh, T-D-O-C is the ticker. CRISPR Therapeutics is number nine at C-R-S-P is that ticker. And then Twilio rounds it out, T-W-L-O just for people who are curious what's in that 61%. So that's, you know, the vast majority of this fund is now in those 10 names. So um, they've all been mostly beaten up in the last year. But as you said, she does continue to add to her positions and she makes everything well known when she does it. She it puts it all out there. You don't have to wait to the end of the quarter or anything to find out what she's buying and selling. It's all out there. You can also listen in on her webinars. She has monthly webinars and she's been tweeting out quite a bit lately <laughs> in the new year. There's been quite a few tweets about uh, 
the decline in oil demand due to the increase in electric vehicles. She was tweeting out about that. There's been some other things. Some of it you may or may not agree with, but you know she knows that she's putting it out there. Um, as you said, she does have the group of analysts that she trusts, so that's what she's relying on. And it's it's just always interesting. I do think a lot of people, um, you know, they get very emotional talking about Arc K because of the big decline it's had. Obviously, it's been very painful for those who've been investors in it. I think I saw the since 2014, its inception then on their website as of January 10th, 2023, it's up 9.65% is the return on it from inception. So, but how many have owned since the very beginning? You know, probably not that many who've stuck around all that time, almost nine years. We're in year number nine now. so yeah, it's been a wild ride, but I do look forward to seeing what she does next. And I do think, you know, some of the anger people have is on her actual strategy. They keep asking why she doesn't change her strategy and why she isn't investing like Warren Buffett. You know, there's no banks, there's no uh, old energy, old economy type stocks because she's running a disruptive, innovative portfolio. (laughs) So if you don't like the types of companies, those 10 companies I just listed off, if that's not your thing, or you think that those have further to slide, or you don't like owning companies that don't yet have earnings or any of the above, then ARK K is not for you. And you do need to find other forms of investment, other ETFs that fit with what your strategy is. That would be my advice to people. Don't get mad at Kathy, just move <laughs> on, you know, yeah. like do something else. Um, but let's switch over for a moment now that we have discussed the growthy type names to maybe some things that you know did well in 2022, the opposite of her. I know a lot of money has been pouring into both value type funds, but also the dividend funds seem to be kind of hot right now. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, dividend and income focused ETFs gathered a lot of money last year and many of them did very well too because you know these are dividend paying companies are usually high quality companies that weather market downturns better than others. So one of the biggest uh, top 10 asset gainer was the Schwab US Dividend Equity ETF, ticker symbol is SCHD. This is very cheap and has a very nice dividend yield too. This ETF gathered $15.4 billion last year. So yeah, forget about RK's $1.2 billion. His SCHD with $15.4 billion and this was down just just 3%, uh, so significantly outperforming the broader market. So this EDF focuses on the quality, not only on high dividends, high dividends, it starts with high dividend stocks and then uses a number of financial ratios to assess the quality and uh, sustainability of dividend. And it looks at companies that have increased their dividends 
for 10 years consistently. So that is why you get very high quality portfolio in this uh, ETF. Uh, so this was one of the top asset gainers last year. Another ETF which gained a lot of uh, love from investors is by JP Morgan, JEPI. It is JP Morgan Equity Premium Income ETF. This gathered 12.7 billion, 12.8 billion dollars, and this wow. was also down just about three percent um, in 2022. So this has another very interesting strategy. It looks at low volatility shocks. Uh, uh, this is actively managed. SCHD tracks an index passively managed. JP uses active management to first select very low volatility stocks, high quality stocks in the portfolio. And then it rise, uh, writes uh, call options uh, on the S&P 500 index. And so with the dividend from those high quality stocks and uh, option premium, it was able to pay a very juicy dividend yield to investors and outperform. Last yeah, year, I so these the 12-month the yield, because I guess they pay monthly income out. So the 12-month yield they said on their site was 9.64%. Yeah, very attractive. And investors just love income and dividends. So that is why this is another idea which saw a lot of asset gains last year. And uh, another ETF which more than like which started the year from almost uh, you know very little assets and then became almost a one billion dollar fund is uh, by this company a small company called IMGP it is IMGP DBI managed futures strategy ETF the ticker symbol is DBMF uh, and uh, it's uh, Manager, this is also actively managed, and this manager Andrew Beer became quite famous. Many called him that. Why Kathy Andrew Beer is the, is the hottest active manager now? So this uh, is like a hedge fund, like ETF. It tracks the performance of a group of CTA hedge funds, and it uses uh, various uh, you know derivatives uh, to track hottest market trends and uh, invest in those uh, market trends. And this was this did very well last year. This was up uh, about 20%. Uh, so that is wow. why its assets ballooned uh, from almost nothing to almost a billion dollars. Yeah, I also see that that one has an expense ratio that's quite high, 0.85%. Yes, yeah. So almost yeah, because. Right, yeah, because of its uh, that niche uh, strategy that it uses uh, and uses a lot of uh, derivatives too. So yeah. because of that, the uh, expense ratio is high. Um, another ED so in fact, uh, 2022 I think can be called the year of active uh, ETFs, actively managed ETFs. Okay. Many actively managed ETFs uh, did very well because of the challenging market conditions. So right. usually uh, these active ETFs over the past so many years, uh, most of them failed to 
beat the benchmarks, the proper, the popular benchmarks, because when the market was trending upwards, it was very difficult to beat uh, yeah. the Nasdaq 100 or even the S&P 500 index. But last year was different when broader indexes suffered. Uh, about 60% of actively managed ETFs were able to beat the broader um, benchmarks. Another ETF which did very well is called uh, PFIX. It's the Simplify Interest Rate Hedge ETF. So this uses derivatives, uh, interest rate options, etc., to hedge against the sharp increase in long-term interest rates. Uh, and this gathered more than uh, $123 million, which uh, doesn't look a lot, but it was a small fund. And it is still a small fund because of its like kind of difficult to un understand strategy for most investors. It is now $354 million, uh, and a lot of which came last year. So these ETFs uh, were hot in terms of performance and also saw a lot of asset gathering last year. Yeah. RK, yes, it was down 70%, but uh, gathered 1.2 billion for the year. Another two ETFs, uh, which, uh, uh, you know, which were down a lot, but continue to gather assets, were leveraged ETFs. And normally we don't talk about leveraged ETFs right. because, you know, those are they, those should be tr used as trading tools only. But I wanted to mention because there's so much di diversion between the performance and asset gathering. So the ProShares Ultra Pro QQQ, the TQQQ, which is triple leverage version of the QQQ ETF. This gathered sorry. This gathered about $12.1 billion last year, even though it was down 80% because we know that NASDAQ plunged almost 33% last year. And uh, investors continue to pour money into this ETF because they were betting that maybe the technology stocks are beaten down too much and they are going to rebound soon. Uh, similarly, they were, we know that chip stocks are very popular with investors. So they also continue to put money into the triple leverage chip ETF. The ticker symbol is SOXL. This gathered about $6.2 billion last year, even though it was down 87% year to date. So those kind of performance down 80%, 87%. First of all, investors should never use leverage ETF for long-term holding. They should be used only as trading tools for very short-term holding. That's good advice because down 87% sounds brutal. So, on the flip side, some of these saw tons of money coming in, even though they were down over 80%, these techie type of ETFs and these leveraged ones. But what about the best performing sector of 2022? Was money pouring into the, the leader? Did it, did it go into energy? No, surprisingly not. Uh, energy <laughs> was the best performing sector last year again. Uh, but, you know, we saw that... Uh, Investors did not really love energy ETFs. In 2021, they had gathered more assets, but not in 2022. And I think investors used uh, 
energy ETFs just as trading tools instead of using those uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. leverage ETFs as trading tools because uh, we know that energy lagged for so many years, so investors are a bit, little bit um, skeptical uh, whether the energy rally could continue for a longer time. So I think whenever they, they bought uh, ETFs like XLE, VDE, XOP, the popular energy ETFs held them for a month or two. And again, oil is very volatile. Even energy ETFs are very volatile. You get you could easily see swings of 3% or more on a day in tickers like XOP. Yeah. So whenever they saw some gains or some losses, so if your ETF has already, is it's up 20% in say two months, investors just cashed out. So no, uh, surprisingly, those energy ETFs, uh, despite the outperformance, they did not see a lot of asset gathering uh, in uh, 2022, uh, which which is which uh, surprised me. Yeah, me too. But those people who were trading, say the XLE, um, it's up 42% over the last year. So even and there were the big swings as you alluded to with, you know, it might have been up like 15, 20% and then it came back down again. Um, but if they had stayed, you know, bought and held over that time period, they would be better off for now, at least. But yeah. it is interesting to see if the if that behavior is going to change at all. Um, I'm also always surprised. Like, so the yield on the XLE is 3.35 percent currently, which is higher than that on the. Um, popular dividend, the Schwab one that you were mentioning earlier, that's at like 3.1%. But yet the the income investors just really don't want to be in these energy ones, even though the yield is higher. They just don't want it. <laughs> they yes, don't trust uh, it. Yeah. Yes. So uh, if I look at the uh, inflows and outflows, uh, so in fact, XLE lost one, uh, $1 billion, almost a billion dollar last year and XOP lost about $251 million last year, despite their excellent performance. So if you believe in energy and uh, the rally could continue, maybe have some patience. Uh, remember that these could be volatile, um, but um, maybe yeah. uh, because they were beaten down for so many years, uh, maybe they will continue to do well uh, in the coming years. But uh, these are among the top holdings in many dividend ETFs, particularly high dividend ETFs, uh, which did quite well last year. So uh, some investors may not like energy stocks, but if they like high dividend stocks, maybe you are getting a lot of exposure to these companies like Exxon, Chevron, uh, Halliburton, Schlumberger in your high dividend ETF. Yeah, I noticed I took a look at the top 10 holdings in that JEPI ETF that you talked about earlier. And that one um, has 125 stocks in it. So the top 10 is not like a huge percentage of the overall, but it was like AbbVie, Progressive, MasterCard, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, Hershey, Travelers, Bristol-Myers, Honeywell, and yes, Exxon is in there. So you will get some energy in that fund. Um, which is that's the one with the 
yielding over 9% over the last 12 months. So, but it makes sense if you're gonna do, if you're looking for that high income right now, at least energy has the free cash flow and they have the rising earnings estimates for now at least. But I do think a lot of people just don't trust that to stick around. <laughs> people have been burned you know, over the last decade buying energy thinking this is it, it's, it's on its way. And then, oh no, the, you know, crude price is plunging or natural gas is plunging. Even right now, natural gas has plunged when everybody thought it would not. And so that's gonna impact the earnings of the natural gas companies <laughs> and those that have big gas exposure. So yeah, it is um, it is a little, little dicey sometimes. And I think a lot of investors are feeling like, you know, they've been burned too many times. So they'd rather just be elsewhere. Yeah. Yes, uh, so uh, one thing uh, which I can advise investors, I can recommend to investors that energy, because it was beaten down for such a long time for, for the past decade or so. So that is why energy's um, percentage in the broader ETFs has gone down a lot. So most investors hold funds tracking the S&P 500 index in their core portfolios. They have a lot of allocation to either ETFs or mutual funds that track the S&P 500 index or other major indexes. So if you are holding those popular indexes, you are getting very little exposure to energy. Uh, yeah. Energy is, despite its excellent performance over the past two years, more than two years, energy is still just about 5%, 5.1% of the portfolio. So you are getting very little exposure to uh, these companies uh, like Exxon, Chevron, Slumberger, which are which are pumping profits lately so much, so much more cash they have been generating and returning to investors. And on the other hand, uh, despite technology's underperformance, it is still about 26% of the portfolio in the S&P 500 index. So you are already getting a lot of exposure to companies like Apple and Microsoft in your portfolio through your uh, plain vanilla EDFs or mutual funds, uh, uh, which track the popular indexes. Yeah, that's a good point. Always check out what you own and how concentrated you are in some of these areas. So my final question would be, uh, since we just started the new year, I know the ETF industry is always coming up with new ideas and there's like kind of trends that go on. Is there any trend for 2023? Will they be launching? You know, some kind of new new area with ETFs. Um, you know, like they kind of did when cannabis got hot. Then there was like you know those cannabis ETFs that launched. Uh, there's been you know various like crypto blockchain type ones. Is there an area I should be watching out for this year? So yes, the ETF industry remains very innovative. And in fact, I should mention that despite all the market challenges and market turbulence, the ETF industry gathered almost $600 billion last year. It was the second highest inflows, annual inflows ever, which was, you know, compared to 2021 when they the industry gathered almost a trillion dollars. It was not very impressive, but still very impressive given the market uh, performance. And we saw 
some very interesting uh, ETF launches last year. Some weird ones too. We saw <laughs> uh, some new trends like single stock ETF and single bond ETF launches. We saw some very interesting thematic ETFs launches. One area which saw a lot of interest in terms of launches was the metaverse. So all these metaverse related stocks mm -hmm. and ETFs were beaten down last year, but invest uh, providers continue to launch metaverse ETFs because uh, they believe that this theme is going to, you know, stay hot in the coming years. Once we know what exactly metaverse is and uh, if companies like meta platforms give us a better idea of how they are going to build the metaverse and if we hear more from, from companies like microsoft and nvidia too which are going to be which i believe are going to be big players in the metaverse uh, we could see some more metaverse etf launches and we could see decent um, asset gathering by those ETFs. Another theme which saw a lot of interest last year was anti-ESG ETFs uh, because we know that ESG ETFs did quite well uh, in the past few years when technology was hot because uh, technology accounts for a big portion in, yeah. uh, in the portfolios of ESG ETFs. But uh, last two years when energy did well those esg etfs suffered and many providers strive, strive for asset management is one of the uh, notable ones they launched these anti-esg etfs which were which will uh, use the uh, voting power to uh, encourage companies to focus just on profitability and not on esg criteria or any other social or right. uh, environmental issues yeah yeah that's an interesting one i'm going to keep an eye on that one going forward here okay well there's a lot going on in the etf universe i think we've covered a large part of it here today to start the year we'll be tracking many of these etfs to see how they do in 2023 i will be of course monitoring arc k as always, and I'm sure Nina, I'll have you back on again to talk about what's happening with Kathy as we get further along in the year, because it's always interesting. But let me recap the stocks that we talked about. So on the ETFs, we talked about obviously ARKK, A-R-K-K. There was the popular Schwab dividend ETF, S-C-H-D. The JP Morgan income ETF that was popular is J as in John, E as in Edward, P as in Paul, I, J-E-P-I. Then a couple of those more unique ones that use derivatives, the IMGP managed future strategy is D as in David, B as in Bob, M as in Mary, F as in Frank, D-B-M-F. Then she talked about the simple interest rate hedge ETF. That's P as in Paul, F as in Frank, IX, PFIX. And then uh, we talked briefly about the energies. There's the just general energy ETF, the XLE. And we mentioned the XOP, X as in X-ray, O as in Oscar, P as in Paul. That one is the um, explorers and production 
companies only. XOP is more narrow. Then we also talked about some of the stocks that are within the ARK K Exact Sciences is the biggest holding now, ticker EXAS. Zoom video is number two, Z as in Zoom, ZM. Tesla is number three, TSLA. Roku is number four, ROKU. And then Black, which still has the ticker SQ is number five. So as always, you wanna be sure to subscribe to get the Market Edge because we're covering all these topics to start 2023 that are gonna be driving the investing scene for the rest of the year. So be sure to get us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Spotify. You can get us on Amazon Music. We're on SoundCloud. We're a whole bunch of places, as you know. But get us somewhere, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.